Hello and welcome to the match report. No new new things now. We got we got a bit of a rebrand going on. So we thought that we'd bring in some big guests and some returning members. Finally. Mm. Finally. It's, it's been mm. years right now, bro. It's been years since the last time you appeared on your own podcast. So Darren, <laughs> how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um I'm not even a guest, so I don't even know why this is here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not saying just mentioning guests, I'm talking about you. So your your co-host as well. Well, it's good to be back, in it? It's good to be back. Good to have you back. Kojo joins us again, of course. Of course, of course. I'm good, man. What are you saying? North London's red. That's what I'm saying, man, isn't it? That's, 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 that's all I'm saying. Jordan, Ryan, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, Gucci, oh, Gucci. All ready to talk about the big games. And, of course, the North London derby is the biggest game of this weekend. But because we have a guest appearing later, we'll hold off for that on that till now. So we took, considering we've got two Manchester United to, uh, supporters here, Oh, let's talk about Ole. Let's talk about Manchester United. I'm up for that. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you're up for that one. I know. Everybody <laughs> apart from the Man United fans are up for it. Seems. No, I'm up for it because I've got three years of opinions to talk about bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to go, man. Let's go. Manchester United nil. Aston Villa one goal from Courtney House. And it was a bullet header. But that's not the thing we're talking about right now. We got to talk about that missed penalty from a certain Bruno Fernandes. Right. Okay. Let's go, let's go Darren. Can I just say, like, mm -hmm. I think you need to even go further back than that, way further back than that. You've got a team with, I'll give you one of the best benches in the league, and the manager he doesn't know how to utilize it. When like sixty minutes in, this is usually when. Managers try and affect the games with their own tactics, uh, with their own substitutions. And you got you got Jane Sancho, no less, on the bench. Not need to go. Doesn't make any sense. You've got the double pivot, which everybody and their dad knows doesn't work. Playing, um, you've got Pogba out wide, who could be affecting the game more if he was in the middle. And really, when you've got McTominay, who isn't even in Scotland's first team field, because McGinn, et al., keep him out. He plays third centre-back. And you've got Fred, who is Fred. Um, you can't really control games. This is what happens when you have a manager that relies so much on transition and um, individual brilliance. Um, unless he's playing a team that goes man-to-man -man and it becomes a shootout like Leeds often have absolutely nothing uh, to offer tactically. I mean, to be honest, maybe I didn't even deserve to win. So I think the draw would have been unfair to Villa. Um, they had the, the best chances. Could have been two. Target really should have scored. Uh, Watkins had a good shot as well. It was really well saved. The Haya saved Maguire's skin earlier on in the game as well. And so really, what, what, did, what did United really deserve from that game? I don't think they deserved anything. Um, that being said, that being said, May United's sole problem is the manager. Different manager, different result for me. Why is that? Because, again, he could have affected the game well before Villa's first goal. Villa score it at such a difficult time for you that to really get anything from the game. So, the fact that Bruno... Uh, Fernandez missed the penalty 
becomes a major story. Really, it should have. Because a team with my dad's quality all off the bench should have easily, no, not easily, that's disrespectful. They were a very good team, but they should have been able to, to take the three points. Chelsea played Villa. Villa was fantastic against Chelsea, but Chelsea came away with a W with three goals. Whereas United were on the brink of stealing the draw. And mm. really, if you think about the, the facilities that United have, that's not good enough. And it's because of the manager, because he doesn't know how to utilise his tools. He's got two fantastic one-on-one defenders in Wambasaka and Varane, both with recovery pace. And he continues to play a double pivot that doesn't work. And when you're at home, the impetus is on you to control the games. So while your best passer in your midfield is shutting out wide, you'll never understand uh, Jordan, we'll go to you for this one. Now, it's Darren says it, it's all on Ollie's, all on Ollie's feet. But just a simple fact of matter is, and I'm going to say this, they got one of the best Manchester United teams, I'd say since about 2012 or 2013, when they last won the Premier League. You've got Paul Pogba, you've got Bruno Fernandes, you've got a returning CR7. That's not to mention Jadon Sancho on the bench, Varane, the, the list goes on. Are these players not to blame for their lack of commitment and, and the results that they seem to not be getting? So I watched this game um, live because where, where I work on a Saturday now, they have, we have the Premier League channel. So all the 3 p.m. games we can watch. And I had all the, all the 3 p.m. games on. I kept an eye oh, on those dream. games. But also we had the 12.30 games. Oh, what was that, Kudja? That's a dream. That's a dream called dream. <laughs> we, had, we have all the 3 p.m. games and the 12.30 games because the Man United game wasn't on television. But we had that on the Premier League channel as well. So I watched that game. And Darren's right. United should have been three 0 down at half time. They actually should have been at, at least two, arguably three down at half time. The game shouldn't even. United didn't deserve anything. That's the first thing. All the talk about and analysis and tactics and the penalty miss and the controversy on the handball, all that sort of stuff, I'll get to in a second. But Darren is also right in saying, let's say Man United scored the penalty. It's not a draw. <laughs> it's a it's a draw. Let's, let's remember that. This wasn't a penalty to score to nick a win. It's a penalty to nick a draw. And, and Darren's right again. It would have been to steal a draw. Because they, 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 they didn't deserve a point. Even a point. I reckon, when people talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, him failing at Man United, it kind of reminds me now a little bit about when you kind of hear those stupid phone-ins on like LBC or talk radio or them stupid stations where... The topic of discussion is, you know, um, something along the lines of, you know, is racism bad or how bad is racism in the, in, the, in Britain? And it's like, so many kind of just discourse on fixing racism in this country. You can't start with the question, does racism exist in Britain? That yeah. is not what you start, that, that's not the discussion. <laughs> that is not why you start it. Because if you don't, if, you're, if your question is, does it exist? Then me and you can't even talk. There's no debate here. Similar to what I'm going to social, the, the discussion now needs to kind of, I think, and you are free, intelligent football guys. We need to move away from is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer good enough for the Man United Premier League title? Because I think we all agree the answer to that is no. We all agree on that, right? Yeah. Right. The question then I think then moves to how does this play out? And also, back to your question, Cahill, how much of the blame does he have to take? 
So on my phone in, every Saturday, 5 to 7, Talk Sport 2, get your calls in, 03717 4 Come on! On my phone in on Saturday, yeah, um, obviously United had lost the game. So I, I threw the question out there, uh, how much of the blame does Solskjaer have to take? A lot of it, clearly. Every Man United caller that phoned in said 100%. Not even like 70%. Or eighty-five percent. They all said it's entirely his fault. Now, wow. I don't care how badly you're doing. It's never, ever, ever one hundred percent any one person's fault. Mm-hmm. The players or manager or the. Or it's never one person. But the fact that they all said there was five callers that called in the Sport Man United. They all said one hundred percent. I was like, raw. <laughs> you're not putting anything on the players. Now I agree. I think Solskjaer is a problem. He's got them to a level where he's hit a ceiling, right? He's, he's shown that I can get you to a top four team, uh, sorry, top four position. But to win a title, especially this man's in the era of Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. <laughs> he's in a, he's in the, he's one of the hardest eras ever. Yeah, he's not some little man league now anymore. You got three big boys you're competing with. You might have stolen the league two or three years ago, and it was just Pep or just just Pep and Klopp. Yeah, now you got Pep Klopp. And uh, too cool. And I know it's going for a bad time right now, but I rate Brendan Rodgers as well. Right, my light's gone out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I don't think he can win a title in in, in this particular in, in this particular uh, league because of the competition as well as his own his own deficiencies. And what I'll kind of finally say as well about about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, I, I was of the mindset that if this continues to go really poorly wrong. He won't last very, very long at Old Trafford. Okay, that was my mindset. They'll sack him if this continues. Sorry, put my light back on. Uh, but, sorry. It's all right. Put my light on. But <laughs> I spoke to a couple of my Man United friends, and they said to me, the reason why they don't think he will be sacked this season, regardless, and this was two separate friends on two separate days saying the same thing, they both said to me, because the culture at United is now no longer to win. Mm. So if the culture of the club now is no longer to win, why would you sack him? Because if you had a, if you, if you were the owners of that club and you believed that we're Man United, we're here to win teams. Whether we win or not is a different, different issue. But we're here to win things. He gets fired 18 months ago. He gets fired after Villarreal. But the culture of the club now is almost where Arsenal were 10 years ago. As I've got a friend that work that has some that has some other friends that work at um, Manu TV, okay. And he said that I mean it's sort of he said he said she said he said going on, but he said that his friend at Manu TV is quite connected to some of the hierarchy at the club, and apparently the owners don't even look at the scores on a Saturday. Mm. They don't care. They don't care. But they don't care if we or lose. So if that now that that's that's just an allegation. I don't know if that's fact. But if that is true, it make it makes it it makes the idea that he won't be fired make sense because I don't care if we win or lose. Just tell me, come April when we've got five games of the season to go, are we in the top four and are we going to be in next year's Champions League? Yep, yeah, cool, calm. And people that might say they, if they don't want to win, why they sign Ronaldo? Let's have it straight. It was a panic buy. They didn't plan to buy Ronaldo. They got Ronaldo because he was on the verge of going to City. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking now. I'm changing my little, my mindset a little bit about whether 
I think he will be sacked. Because if that is true and the culture at United is no longer to win and they're not ruthless, well, then as long as he's getting top four, which I think he probably will, why do they sack him? And going back to the game itself, he can whine and moan about decisions going against him. He may even have a semblance of a point. He may have a point. Maybe, um, what was his maybe? Maybe there is an offside with the goal. Maybe. Mm. I don't think there is. But it's, it's a debate. It's a fair debate. But I'm sorry. When you have Ronaldo, Varane, De Gea, Pogba, Fernandez, Greenwood, all them man on, on the pitch and bench, I'm sorry. And you can't score past Aston Villa. Villa are a good team. Villa are a good team. But with that team at home, you can't score past Villa. I'm sorry. I'm not hearing any kind of idea that you might have been robbed by an official. I just can't hear it. I'm sorry. Now, if he loses tomorrow, if he loses tomorrow, it's a different discussion. <laughs> it's a different discussion. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Tomorrow's a massive game. Is it tomorrow or Wednesday? Tuesday, Wednesday. Is it uh, Whenever it is. At this yeah. point, no, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday at 8 o'clock. It's Wednesday. Well, right, Wednesday. If he loses that game, Maybe the is a bit peak, but boy. I mean, Big Ron makes a good point there, uh, Kojo. Uh, talk to because we've been hearing that quite a lot uh, about the one above. Ole needs to oh, poach a uh, savvy coach. coach yeah, okay. Um, right, is that... okay, can I, can I, can I oh, go on this one? Sorry, sorry, he's cutting me off before I even ask the question. Right. Take it, say Kojo, but please run. No, no, run the <laughs> no, no, sorry, no, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah, I've got another thing. All right, so on that particular point, um. He works alongside Mike Phelan, who has been literally through the Fergie glory years. The same Fergie who would always rotate his backroom staff, whether it be Quiros, whether it be Lenstein, Phelan was always there. He's experienced as they come. Like He is red through and through. He is Man United through the glory years. He's got a lot of experience on this belt. What the issue for me in terms of our coaching is that you are not seeing the application of said coaching on the team. So, for example, if you go back to the Champions League game with May United versus Young Boys, you mm -hmm. compare that in isolation of how you deal with being in 10 men to the way Chelsea did against a far superior position, Liverpool, then you can see the effect, the casual effect of decent coaching. Yes, Tuchel is top three coaches in the world at the moment. Nobody's saying Oli needs to be top three coaches of, of, of the world. That being said, he is a coach of one of the biggest football franchises, football teams, football businesses on the planet. So mm -hmm. he should have some level of, of skill to be able to see him through particular situations. For example... May that barely create a chance, really, against Aston Villa. With the people that you've got at your disposal, you should be able to find creative ways to do so. May that struggle so much from bringing the ball from deep in their half through the midfields, if it isn't the transition, if Pogba isn't doing a worldy pass, if Fernando isn't, isn't playing hero ball. Like, unless those things aren't happening, then we're not really breaking teams down. Because when you come into Old Trafford, 90% of the teams are going to go low block, go on, then beat us. Mm -hmm. Not every team's going to play at Leeds. Do you know what I mean? And because of that, I don't buy into he needs a savvy coach. He's got savvy. He's got a savvy coach. 
in um, Finland. He's got a coach, no one experienced, has won everything to win in England, Michael Carrick. We've got I'm a new sure. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm sorry, Kojo, I, I know you want to come yeah. in as well, but I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I, I think you can, you can, you can have an experienced and talented backroom staff, but essentially when it comes down to the 66th minute or the 34th minute or the 81st minute, when it comes down to the moments of pressure in the game, the decision has to come from you. It's going to be on your head. Yeah. And if you can't see what's going on, even if your your other guys around you, your team, your backroom team, c- can see things, I still think it's incumbent on him to be able to have the intelligent football intelligence to be able to spot things for himself and identify. Right, I don't know. We're getting killed on the wings, or we're getting overrun in the middle, or we've got to push up fifteen yards. Whatever the, the, the tweak may, may, needs to be done, needs to be done. I just don't think he he he's he's in-game reaction, sorry, in-game management is good enough. And I don't care if you've got the, the greatest number two in the world, you need to be able to be the one that sees a lot of that and reacts to it as well. And I just feel that he doesn't have it. And I just think to myself, the, the prep work he does leading up to the games on the training field, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but people talk a lot about systems. United don't have a system and United have a way of playing. I heard an interesting point on the radio about an hour or two ago where, and this is the reason why, and you're going to laugh at me here, why I think United are my tip from the Champions League. Let me tell you why. Because, because, because United are a team that play in moments. Mm. And from the Champions League, providing they can get out of the group, it's not that many games to get to a final. Now, people will be saying, well, they're not better than Man City, they're not better than Chelsea, they're not better than Bayern, they're not better than Liverpool, are they better than PSG? There's a lot better. But you can get to the final and avoid half those teams. And if you've got players that can do something off the cuff, that might be enough to win you a tie. And going back to my point about him not having the strategy, if you've got a Pogba, if you've got a Ronaldo, if you've got a Cavani, if you've got a Fernandes, you don't really need necessarily a system of play. Because more often than not, those guys are going to do something now, on, on Saturday, it didn't happen. But more often than not, those guys will do something to win the game. Not enough some things to win a title, but I can see them going deep into the Champions League. So, I, I, I do feel, going back to your point, Dan, I, I, I do feel he does need to be... Having a backroom team that's strong isn't enough for me. I still think he needs to be the guy that can spot things and react to things as well. Kojo, I mean all the all, all the smart topics are gone. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the to the funny one. Bruno Bruno Fernandez missing that penalty. I mean, with CR seven in the building, he seemed to give him his grace. He seemed to say, "You are the main main man here." He takes the ball, plants it down. I think it's still somewhere in the, in the stratosphere right about now. What, what, what was your take on the on the Fernandez penalty? You're muted. Yo, bro. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, before I go on to that, let me not leave our final guest waiting too long. Let me bring him into right now. Um, What's up? What's good? Yes. How you doing, bro? Um, not good. Not good. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry, we'll get there. No we'll stress, get no there stress. in a minute. Um, match of the day did a funny um, little thing on Bruno <coughs> where they did the whole countdown from 10 to 1 for a rocket. 
and as he's shot, he had um, Solskjaer watching like he's one of the spectators looking at it. And I was just thinking to myself, the whole time, even before the penalty was taken, the first thought that was in my mind was, you are Ronaldo's son. You know your place. Why are you holding this ball? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand. No, hear me out. I understand. I understand that he's been the penalty taker. He's missed one in 21, 22 or 20 years, something like that. But when the king's in town, you just give it to him. That's why I assume what's going to happen. You may think I'm wrong to say that, but as far as I'm concerned, that's why it was my first thought. That being said... That's the sort of attitude that allows Ronaldo to take three kicks and constantly hit the wall. Listen. That's that exact same attitude. You're saying that, you're saying that, the same Bruno Fernandes took the same free kick earlier, the only free kick of note from direct area, and he hit the wall. So no, but let's not, let's not, no, 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 let's no, not I hear, no, I hear what you're saying, when I was free kick record is shocking, but at the penalty spot, at least it's just a thing, it was a free kick, it's a different two. But at the penalty spot, his record is near enough impeccable over the years. And when we need the goal in that moment, there's no one more I trust. That being said, that was, that's a mute point for me, because regardless, even if we scored that, like you said, you guys said earlier, would have been stealing a draw. We didn't deserve a result. That's a harsh lesson for Man United to learn. So as far as I'm concerned, Bruno better go and find the ball in his garden because that's probably where he's landed at this moment in time. And they need to come back with him against Villarreal because they need to come back with revenge against Villarreal. They were embarrassed by Villarreal. Bruno and Oli and the rest of the squad stinker against Villarreal. They need to put a damn good performance against Villarreal. But yeah, that's more on them. Tobes, any thought on the Manchester United defeat before we get into uh, the derby? Uh, nothing that's not been said already. I think Man United, for Aston Villa to come there and, and play them and win at their own their own ground with an inferior team and a supposedly inferior manager, um, alarm bells have to be ringing with, with, with Man United now. The, we... Before a ball was kicked this season, um, the two managers that were um, at risk of losing their job, like the two managers that had the most pressure on them, were Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Pochettino because of the enhancements that's been made to both their squads. And it's like, it's like with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, with all due respect to Aston Villa, because they are a good side, there is no way Man United should not even be scoring a single goal when a defence has Tyron Minks. There is no way Man United should be getting should be getting um, handled in possession. There's no way Man United should be losing three in their last four matches in all competitions. Like this is two successive matches they've not scored, let alone one at, at home. And for most people who actually have a good or decent level of understanding of football, this is not surprising because we've been seeing it all every season. It's haphazard from Man United. They'll lose three and four now. Oh, sorry. Okay, is that better? They'll lose. They'll lose three and four now, and then, um, and then they'll go on a run and win. I don't know, maybe like five straight. And in that run, they'll probably be the better side in maybe one or two of those matches, but they'll still win because they have individual quality. And all they've done season after season is add more individual quality to their team. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I give him credit where where I can. I don't think he's a bad. I don't actually think he's a he's a awful awful manager but i think i think with this squad and group of players that he has at his disposal he's he's out of his depth and he i think even before they signed those players i think if you were truthfully honest with yourself as as good as he did on paper 
a better manager does more with with what he's had over the past couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely. And go on, you don't go on. Sorry, sorry to cut you, brother. Just just go back to your point about the penalty thing. I disagree with you one hundred percent. I think no, I know you do, but I, I think. I, but Fernando's, <laughs> me, but Fernando's takes that penalty as far as I'm concerned. And even now, I still think you should take the penalties. Yeah. But but what I will say is, Ronaldo wants to feel like the king, okay? Ronaldo is, is a part of his, his aura, part of his being is, I'm the main man this Real Madrid team. I'm the main man this Juventus team. I'm the main man this, this Portugal team. And now Man United. So it might be worth taking penalties off Fernandez and free kicks and giving it to Ronaldo. Yes, you may dent the confidence of, of, of Fernandez, but if it's worth playing up to Ronaldo's confidence, giving that extra 10% to buy into the idea that he's the man, it might, it might be worth the trade-off. Do you make Ronaldo feel even better? Therefore, you get 10% more out of Ronaldo in the long run, but in the short run, you might lose Fernandez. So I don't know, but I personally... I would keep it's one in twenty three is missed. Sorry, two twenty three. Why? What this idea that Ronaldo rocks up? Who, by the way, his record isn't great anyway from the penalty spot. This idea because it's Ronaldo, he should get penalties. I, I, I don't, I don't go along with that. Yeah, Ronaldo's record's not great from the penalty spot. It's not. No, it's, it's not. not. No, it's not as good as Fernandez. Oh no, no, so, yeah, Fernandez's one's brilliant. But so, on like, isolation, if it's not as good as Fernandez, who is the current penalty taker, he should take penalties. No, the way is, I just in that moment. And you know it's rare for me because I'm a big Fernandez fan. In that moment, I didn't have the confidence in him to take the penalty in the first place. That's why I made that call. That's why I said that before it. I was like, okay, saying he's Ronaldo's son is a bit rude. But I was just not in that moment looking at it and thinking. To 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 be honest, it's better you miss the penalty in a game. It's better you it's better you miss the penalty in a game that you deserve nothing from anyway. If that's his that's one true. miss, if that's his one miss all season, you're better that's keeping true. the ones he's going to score in the games that you actually needed to score in. Do you know what I mean? So that's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, also, last thing on this, Eddie Martinez thought the exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> Eddie Martinez was pointing at Ronaldo like you yeah, take it. it. You no, but no, but that, no, 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 but he, no, that's, that's not why. That's not why he was saying that. He was saying that really to get into Fernandez's head. Yeah. He wasn't saying to Ronaldo, "You take it because I think you've got a better chance." He's saying it so that Fernandez can hear it and doubt himself, and in that sense, it maybe worked. It probably didn't work. Um, and my last thing on Ole is, I mean, you guys have pretty much echoed everything that I've before buying for the last, what, two, three years we've been talking about this guy. The individual business thing is one thing, but as a, as a manager, and I know we're going to do that with Spurs as well because it's going to be a bit about Nuno as well, but when you've, got, when you've got tools, you have to find the best way to use them. And I'm saying that because I kind of defended Nuno at first, but this performance scared me. So what I'm saying is, when you've got tools, you have to find the best way to utilize them. And if you think the best way to utilize them, having Sam Varane, like Darren said, one Misako with recovery pace with defending one on one, is to utilize two central um, or two sort of defensive midfielders and then shaft Pogba on the left and not do what to do with the rest and not use the subs. Yeah, it's done. You say that performance scared you from Tottenham. I say it was wonderful. It was a great performance from Spurs, in my <laughs> own humble personal opinion. But we must get to that game. Three goals to one. Arsenal with the take the three points. Emil Smith Rowe, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, Bakayo Saka scored the goals, and Hyun Min Song scored the consolation. Jordan, mm. let's get the happy. Let's get let's get the 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 happy happy side out of the way first. Um, yeah. 
was a great victory uh, for, for Arsenal. Uh, one I, I personally didn't expect. I, I thought we would win, but I didn't think we would turn up though and, and score that many goals against this first side. It was a great win. It was a great win for Arsenal. It was a great day. Just from a fan's point of view, first of all, I really struggled with the lockdown games and no fans. I think everybody did. But I mm. really struggled watching football with no fans to the point where, if I'm being brutally honest, I didn't watch a lot of games. <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it. And I'm talking about even Arsenal games. I just couldn't watch a lot mm. of football games um, last season. It just wasn't, it, just, it was weird. I just, it was, it was flat for me. This was the first game where I heard noise, bantering the Spurs fans. There was even a moment when I think Tierney missed kicked the ball and the, the Arsenal fans bantered him. Uh, you know, the cheering, the noise. It was the first game as an Arsenal fan that I felt like football was back. That's the first thing. Second of all, Arsenal, I think, demeanour and energy from even before the kickoff showed mm. me, OK, these guys are up for it. And I don't, I don't think it spooked Spurs. I don't think Spurs even came out ready to war anyway. I think they came out unsure about what they were meant to be doing. And I think when you've got a team that have come out like a lion let out of a cage and you've got some, you've got some puppy that's walking around lost, you know, looking for his house, that's only going to result in one thing. So I, didn't, I wasn't surprised by the result, by just what I saw from the kickoff. Uh, a couple of players to mention, I thought that my man of the match was Aubameyang. I've been a critic of his this season. I thought he's been embarrassing this year. I think he's been a disgrace this season. But I thought that his demeanour, his energy, his work rate, his goal, his, his teamwork, I just thought was a captain. He, played, he looked like a captain on that day. Mm -hmm. um, Odegaard, I thought, was just insane. The two boys, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, brilliant. Uh, the, the fullback, Tommy Aston, is looking like he could be a great acquisition. I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. The one player, though, that I, I want to credit that I don't think I can, and it's a bit harsh because it's not, it's, it's not necessarily his fault, is Ben White. Because for mm. an hour, I don't, Ben White didn't have anything to do. So I don't really know if he had a good game or not because Harry Kane and Son were so in and out. And he didn't have anything to do. So... I've got my reservations about Ben White anyway, but that's a separate thing. But it was hard to kind of sum up how Ben White played because for an hour, <clears throat> he wasn't really in the game. But but so be it. was a great game from Arsenal. Arteta got it right. I'll happily slam Arteta when he gets things wrong. But when mm -hmm. he got it right, I will say Spurs should have had a penalty. I'll also say uh, Harry Kane missed uh, a sitter and something weird is going on there. And, you know, maybe Toby can could talk about what he thinks is going wrong there. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be there, clearly. Um, and also, I'll finally say that Arsenal always beat Spurs at home. So mm -hmm. in that sense, it shouldn't really be a shock. We very rarely drop points at home um, to Spurs. So in that sense, it's not that big a shock. Our record at home to Spurs is actually really, really, really good. My final, final point, and I'll, I'll shut up, I promise, is I'm never really worried about Arsenal at home to Spurs. Because as I said, our record at home to Spurs is really, really good. Mm. Before the Spurs game, I was saying on various platforms... The game that I'm really concerned about or really looking at to see if this is a change in Arsenal is the Brighton game. Because yeah. by the time that people listen to this and watch this podcast tomorrow, whenever it is, Brighton could be top of the league and Brighton mm -hmm. are playing really, really well. That is the game where I'm looking at Arsenal when there's no derby, there's no 60,000 fans, there's no Super Sunday element, there's no boy. Can you get up for that game? Can you show that actually you are serious? Spurs is an easy game to get up for. It's Spurs. We're up for it naturally it's bright in a way can you show that you can go to there and, and, and get three points that is a game where i'm looking to see actually have things changed so i'm still not convinced that this is um this is this is a, a, a turning of of arsenal's fortune yet
But a good win for Arsenal and we move. We move indeed. I will say a uh, player that didn't get respect was Aaron Ramsey, though. There was kind of a debate about the, the song, goal, whether he should have had a stronger palm and got to that uh, that shot in time. I think he'd he done as, as much as he as he possibly could. I think the save at the very end uh, was was wonderful. Spirits of David David Seaman live within this, but I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that. But um, wow. I mean, Darren, yeah, to be fair, to be fair, he, he did he did give him, him himself a lot of self criticism for that goal. But that's good mm. mentality. The fact that he said, "Look, I think I should have done better." Body weight, everything we're talking about, right next to Seaman as well, as you said. Like, I think that's good mentality, man. Because I know I've heard a lot of Arsenal players sort of scrutinize themselves in the past like that. It was very good, very honest. So, yeah, that's, that's good mentality to have, man. Darren beam like a proud father every time he mentioned Tommy Asu. Let's talk, let's talk <laughs> about his impact. Um, what, what do you see from him when he when, when he plays for, for Arsenal right back? Me? Yes. Um, so, right, he's rugged. He's rugged. And for me, that's... He's kind of like the total opposite of Hector Bellerin. And... Is what you need, and especially with Ben White's iffy aerial ball numbers, Tomiyasu is exactly the type of uh, person you need beside him, really, to 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 sweep up. And mm. to be honest, I think you will always get 110% from Tomiyasu. You'll get a lot of versatility as well. You can play centre-back if need be. Um, but for me, what I was really, really surprised with and happy with was every time Ramsdale made a, a really important save, mm. he was first of all to get it clear, out of, the, out of danger. And that just means his alertness. His alertness was just really, really good. There were a couple of uh, moments where he got caught on the run. Um, but I think for his first North London derby, which not until, but not that long ago was, I would argue, the biggest and best Premier League game. Um, he's done. He's done pretty well. Um, I, I, again, I'm, as you know uh, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think he's exactly the type of defender that you need because he's he's a bit of iron, and, uh, and your defense has a lot of silk. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's doing very well because he had a lot of disrespect thrown on him by people that work in big industry. Um, so you know. I'm just glad that he started off the way he started off. I think that Burnley game for me, you're talking about games where you think, oh, have Arsenal turned the corner. Burnley away is the litmus test for every team in the Premier League, irrespective of how you play football. Because they, they come here and it's like, it's going to be a grind. No matter if you're the Harlem Globetrotters or if you're <laughs> the league team, you come to Burnley, it's going to be a grind. And, and Arsenal it, it's, so it's not So just to kind of correct you slightly there, if you look at Burnley's record at home, the last two years, actually, it's not a hard place to go. I think people keep saying that because of, of traditionally, it's been a hard place it's to the go. Type of football, but if they're rubbish, they're rubbish. Yeah. So if, if, also, Arsenal have actually, if you check the record in the head-to-head since they came in 2009, got red again and came back, Arsenal have actually dealt with them, which is actually insane. They had they have a whole load of L's. Only one W, I think, was 2019 or 2020. I'm not sure at the Emirates. Other than that, they've actually dealt with Burnley, so it's kind of. I, I do agree because Burnley are one of them stupid teams. It's that the type you... of football that you think Arsenal yeah. would just be automatically allergic to. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Arsenal dealt with them somehow, and I, I don't know how, but they've dealt with them. Issues that need to be dealt with, and I'm sure Toby will go into them as as he speaks. Tottenham, 
Tobes, it uh, wasn't a good game for you guys. I don't see. I don't. I don't really know who's the main person at, at, at blame here. Is it Nuno? Is it Kane for 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 his uh his attitude or lack thereof? It's everything as per. It's always everything. It's been everything for the past like twelve months. The past like two years. It's the people who keep putting these idiots um, in positions that they can't cope with. The people that keep retaining faith in these players that can't cope with the expectation that we have on them. And it's the people that keep making the decisions on the lack of investment in our team, yet they want to keep Harry Kane and make him play with kids and, and washed up um, Premier League stars. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me. Um before I even start for my run, Arsenal were electric and every single preview I did, I, I told people they're going to turn up for this game. Mm. Like only the most naive of Spurs fan is just taking, you know, Arsenal banner because they're not Arsenal traditionally have not been, I say traditionally, Arsenal in the past six, seven years have not been a good side. I think that's, I think every six years, everyone can say that everyone, actually five years, everyone can say that. Yeah, Arsenal have not been a good side. But what should be alarming for Spurs fans is even at their lowest, we still haven't beaten them there in the last five years. I keep telling this to people and they keep calling me negative and stuff. Spurs have only won there in once in 21 years. You couldn't beat them when they were sick. You can't beat them when they're shit. But yet you just think you're going to stroll up to the Emirates three, um, two back-to-back three-nil defeats, the team playing like rubbish, the tactics not good enough, the, the players not good enough, and we just think we're just going to magic away a win. Like I, I know they say form goes out the window because the North London derby, like it's normally like make or break in terms of, in terms of like the situation you're in. You could be on a low and you go in there and you're on a high. You could be on a high, you go in there and then you, you leave on a low. But the one thing you have to bring in the North London derby, and as cliche as it sounds, is, is aggression. You have to bring fight. You literally have to be up for that game. If you're not up for that game, it's done. It's done. Anyone who's been to the Emirates will tell you how loud that stadium is when, when Spurs are in town. I've been to that game twice as a fan, and they, the Arsenal fans, they drown you out. They drown you out, and you can feel it. Like I, I was at the game yesterday, and I actually felt like goosebumps. And I'm not even on the pitch. So you can feel it times a thousand as a player. So that should tell you the type of occasion that you're playing in. And you are paid this money to handle that type of occasion. If you can't rise to that type of occasion, why are you playing at this club? And I keep asking myself the same question with a lot of the players in our team. And I don't even need to ask the question about the manager because I said what I said about the manager before he got the job. And I was called negative again. Oh, I'm never happy. I'm never satisfied. It's not I'm never satisfied. I know what it needs, what we need. I know what the club need. And when the club keep giving us stuff that we don't need, we're going to speak out about it. But anyway, let me speak on the game. Arsenal were excellent and they played exactly as I expected them to play. 10 out of 10 defensively, 10 out of 10 in ball progression, 10 out of 10 in pressing, 10 out of 10 in incisive play. What I didn't expect is to be 3-0 down within the first 34 minutes of the game, people are asking me, why did you leave um, at 44 minutes? I left because of that. I left because of that. People don't deep, people don't deep the significance of a North London derby. People don't deep that even 
an Arsenal side with Henri, Perez, Vieira, even an elite Arsenal side didn't put three past us in the opening 34 minutes. That's never happened in North London derby history. The game was done before people had got their, their, their um, half-time pies. The game was done. Finished. People can talk about the second half of how he came out, etc., etc. Um, but who cares? Arsenal are 3-0 up. They're not thinking about going for more. And I don't think they have them. And with all due respect, and I'm not, in fact, let me not say that. They have a shit manager. They don't have a manager who's going to be like, go for more, get four, get five, get six. They don't have a pep. They don't have a clop. So as they're 3-0 up. So he's thinking in his head, this game's done. Mm-hmm. Wrap up and, and, and manage the game well in the second half. So I'm not taking any encouragement from that second half performance because I don't care. It's too little, too late. I don't care. I didn't watch that second half. I've still not watched this game now. I need to re I need to rewatch it so I can watch the second half and see um, whether there was actually any change in our performance. But again, bottom line, Arsenal wanted it more. Arsenal were excellent and we weren't. Everything they did well, we were awful at. In possession, better than us. Out of possession, better than us. Pressing, better than us. 1v1 situations, better than us. Every single time we had the ball, there was like two or three Arsenal players on us. But yet when they had the ball, acres and acres of space. Acres and acres and acres of space. I don't even know what the fuck was going on with those tactics. Yeah. Can I ask Can I ask you two questions, Toby? Um, uh, so before the two questions, I'm glad you mentioned actually the point about people talking about form, form goes out the window. That's one of those Sky Sports cliche nonsense that actually isn't true. Most mm. of the time in derbies, the team that wins it is normally the team at home. It's normally the team that's got the form. So this idea that in a North London derby, anything can happen. If you look at history, when Tottenham have been better than Arsenal, they normally win or get a point at the Emirates and vice versa. So when people say that, it's kind of just nonsense. I'm glad you, I'm glad you flagged that, that cliche that, that people say. But two questions are, A... At what point does Harry Kane have to get dropped and the implications that could come with dropping him? And secondly, I'm fed up with people talking about Deli Ali being on this bad run of form. It's four years. When you really <laughs> check it and deep it, and time goes quick, it's actually four years since he was good. What are the fan base saying, Toby, about, about Deli Ali? Do they think there's a good player there that's not yeah. being deployed properly? Or do no. they think, actually, he just had a really good 18 months where he was on fire, and the minute that Poch changed the system, i.e. removed the shadow striker, he was he was redundant? I think, so I'll, I'll address the first point first. Spurs fans are literally, but practically, we, it, we, would, we would love for Harry Kane to be dropped right now because he is playing awful. Forget the fact that he cost us for the third goal because he ran back and he tried mm-hmm. to win the ball. Mm-hmm. Cool. What is worrying me is the two chances he had in front of goal. That's not like Harry Kane. The free header that he missed and then the chance where he shrugged off. I can't remember who it was that was on the floor. I don't know, Tommy Asu or Ben White. I don't know. But um, shrugged him off on the floor and he's in on goal. Normal Harry Kane, you're you're slutting that away. Food and drink. So, like, you're missing chances. Your link-up play is dead. You're dropping way too deep to the point where sometimes you're literally hiding from the game. Um, and your demeanor is just all wrong. Like he, it's obvious that he's, he, he doesn't really care anymore. Like he don't care. I think it's, and I think I've always said this, it's, it's really easy to spot 
when Harry Kane is playing good and when Harry Kane is playing shit because Harry Kane is not a player whose game is just reliant on goals. He ain't a poacher. Harry Kane's game is more than that. He does way more in a game of football when he's playing well. So having said that, you're, forget, forgive me, I can't remember the goal, the Son goal. I can't remember if Kane was involved or not, but all the chances you did create yesterday actually came through Harry Kane. He was involved in some way. So I'm just wondering, the Spurs fan, Spurs fan think he should be dropped because he's not interested. I get that. But anything good you did threatening Arsenal yesterday, he was involved. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I get what you mean. And that was going to be my next point. We can't drop him. Yeah, if if we had, if we were Man City and we had, I don't know, like a Gabriel Jesus on the bench or whoever, like it doesn't have to be as good as him, but someone who could come in and do a job and actually play well, then yeah, cool. We could drop him. But in this club's infinite wisdom, they decided not to sign a backup striker. For all of a sudden, we're, we're now back to one senior striker as if that's ever worked out for us. So we can't drop him. People are saying drop him, drop him, drop him. We genuinely cannot drop him. Okay, cool. You drop him for Aston Villa and you play Son and Mora. We then have um, we then have a midweek game um, against Burnley. I, can't, I don't even know. I don't even know what mid, midweek game we'd have. I think it's international break next. But you get what I mean. Um, mm. We have fixtures every midweek. And every weekend, and people are saying, "Oh, just drop K." No, it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's not fine. We don't have we don't have backups. So unfortunately, we have to eat this dross that he's given us, and and hope that he turns his form around. Because everything that we thought about Harry Kane, his professionalism, how he's going to be, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, he's just rubbished all of that within the first within the first um, six games of the season, and how he was um, moving in the summer. The only thing I can take. Go on, sorry. I was going to say, do you not think that uh, you played better without Kane? I mean, obviously the, no. the wins came no. without him, no? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, we don't play well. Spurs don't play well. <laughs> Kane, no Kane. Spurs don't play well. I know people, I know people want to drum up this narrative that, oh no, when they're, because he's such a destabilizing presence, oh, he, it's this, it's that. It, it, it isn't. We mm. are shit. We don't play well with Kane. We don't play well without Kane. We're crap. We're rubbish. The tactics are poor. The shot, the shot, um, the shot attempts have been dead in, in, in recent games. Yeah. We can't string three, four passes together. Yeah. We're just not a good outfit. And this beating has been a long time. These these series of beatings have been a long time coming. Because when we when we won three straight. Everyone's yeah, commending Nuno, and yeah, I'll commend Nuno. Three clean sheets, three wins, mm-hmm. um, with all the circumstances he was dealing with, K one and out and Dom out. Yeah, you give the manager praise, but you also assess the performances. I said it after the Wolves game, and I said it after the what after the Watford game, and of course I got pelters because you, you can't speak facts without being called negative. We can't play like this. Yeah, the result is good, but. Performances are what will what will last. Results come and go. Performances are what will last. And when you're playing like this, it's going to catch up to you, 100. percent We're playing we're, we're playing matches against far like teams that are so inferior to us, and yet we can't even create clear cut chances. We can't keep this ball. We can't move this ball well enough. Like, what hope do you have when you play it up against the better sides? Can I ask about the tactics for a second? Sorry, Tobes. Yeah, yeah, go um, on, go on. So I'm finding really difficult to understand is why he doesn't revert to his usual three at the back. 
why he's playing four when I don't think Spurs have a pairing strong enough really to have a two as a back system. Uh, Regulon for me looks more like a wing back. You've just signed Emerson, who basically looks the same. Tanganga isn't a full back. Um, and again, it, if you're going to play three at the back, you could maybe push Ali a little bit closer to Kane and sort of replicate that second strike, second striker thing that he did so well on the potch. So I don't understand why he's come in and decided to revert against what he's done to revert to success uh, at Wolves. Um, I couldn't tell you. I I don't know. I, I I do think I think I think the prior to the Palace game because we were defending. To a, I think we were defending to a decent standard because we were defending to a decent standard at the Palace game and before the Palace game and um, and we had somewhat improved defensively. I think he, he had renewed optimism in, in the back four. Um, Dial was playing okay. Sanchez was playing okay. Romero still to come into the team. Um, Tanganga was playing okay at right back and stuff like that. But um, I think with, with Nuno... Um, I just don't think he's he's got the minerals for this job. Like I, I genuinely don't believe he has. Um, I want him to do well. Um, I'm not trying to badger him out and stuff like that, but I don't think he's got the minerals for this job. Do you think um, somebody could do a better job, um, Toes? Do you 100%. think somebody could come in and with that current squad yeah. do a better job? Because I think there's a lot of poor players in that squad. There are, there are, there are. And he's been lumbered. Unfortunately, he's been lumbered with a lot of those poor players. So any criticism you have to give Nuno, you have to sort of caveat it with that because he's been put into a shit situation with a shit squad and shit owners who are not going to back him in the window. But when you look at our metrics with the squad we have available... It's not worse than Leeds. It's not worse than Newcastle's. It's not worse than Burnley's. It's not worse than Norwich. It's not worse than Brighton's. It's not worse than Palace. It's not worse than, I don't know, uh, who else got promoted? I can't even remember the other two. Brentford. Norwich. What, like, yeah. like it, it, it's not, it, it's a bad situation. And unfortunately, his tactics are making a bad situation worse. Um, look, look at the game yesterday. The game yesterday, for example, he came out post-match and said um, the game plan, he had a game plan, but maybe he didn't pick the right players for the game plan. Bro, what the hell was your game plan? Against I think Chelsea, he's trying to, I think he's, I think there's a lot he isn't saying while saying it. I think when he says that, I think he's specifically talking to a number of footballers. I yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And I've, I dug out the players first when I started, but this, the players were disgraceful. Um, game plan or no game plan, as I said, there's a minimum standard you have to meet in a North London derby, and they didn't meet that. But um, with with the tactics, um, we simply aren't coached well enough with this ball. I don't believe that our, that Nuno and our previous manager care a lot about how we move this ball on a football pitch. I think they are quite direct. They want the ball from one end to another end as quickly as possible. That's the type of that's the type of approach they go for, which is why their approach is predominantly counter-attack based or going direct through long balls. I don't think they have any business in in a more intricate build-up. I don't think they have that. Pochettino was far more deliberate in his build-up um, because he preferred for us to keep the ball and wait, pick and choose our moments to actually try and unlock teams. Our two managers 
that we've had since then are completely um, have completely different approaches. And if I look at the game um, yesterday, for starters, our fifty million pound centre back or whatever, I don't even know how on earth you've gone into the biggest game in the calendar with the same centre back pairing that failed us last season. That I don't nice. care. I don't nice. care how good they're playing. I don't care how good they're playing. Romero had to start that game. When you look at Arsenal's team, yeah, every single one of their, their summer signings were, was in that team. Every single one of the starting players from their summer 11 was in that team because we know Tavares isn't, wasn't really brought to be a starter. We know Lokonga wasn't really brought to be a starter. But I'm talking about Odegaard. I'm talking about um, Tomiyasu. Ram, I'm talking about Ben White. And even Ramsdale now, yeah, they were all starting. Why weren't any of our new starters, um, our new signings starting? That's one issue. The midfield as well. Um, Nuno does this thing where our wingers are narrow and our midfielders take up wider positions. And I think he's doing that to try and um, he gets us a bit more narrow to so we can press as a unit um, with a forward line. And I think he gets our midfield more narrow so we can negate any sort of threat um, out wide, so we can double up out wide. So you have the midfielders and and the fullbacks. But when you looked at our tactics yesterday, we had no midfield. The spaces were way too big, which is why you had Thomas Party having the freedom of the pitch to do whatever he wanted. You cannot give a player like Thomas Party time on the ball. You had players like Odegaard having the freedom of the pitch to do what you wanted. You cannot give these guys time on the ball. You just can't. They will punish you. I don't know who he thought he was playing against. Like, I don't know what type of fixture he thought this was. You will get punished if you make these mistakes. You'll get punished. And, oh, and, sorry, go on. Sorry, bro. So I just want to ask you. So uh, you mentioned Pochettino earlier as well. So obviously, firstly, we all know Daniel Levy has a lot to answer for. And um, if taken away from the Super League, I mean, he, the Levy out thing has been going on for ages. So it's not just a, it wasn't like an in the moment thing, but... It's not only him that said it, but you mentioned obviously that there's a lot of poor players at the club. Just how big a job is this sort of like rebuild? Is it as huge as maybe people think it is, or is it not? And then on top of that, I just want to ask you on the question that you got asked from one of the um, the viewers asking if Nuno was indeed to go, who would you like or who would you trust to take his team forward? I don't know. But he wasn't in like dive choice. Yeah, I didn't. Oh well, yeah, they went through a whole list of managers throughout the summer, didn't they? Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I, I. I. couldn't tell you now. I'd have to look at the managers I wanted in the summer because it's not. It's not an easy situation to be in. We've. We can't pretend as if this job is is the most coveted job in Europe. We've had so many managers uh, knock us back. Um, we're literally any manager that we bring in now represents a similar level of risk as Nuno. I think the only benefit you would have is that at least if you're bringing in a manager who can actually play to the ideals that the club are allegedly said that they wanted to 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 move towards then at least at least we get a pre a better product on show at least we get a better product on show as fans and that in turn gives us a better chance of winning matches you can't play like we did yesterday and expect to win games you can't be you can't be scared you can't be timid not in a north london derby um yeah i just think it's annoying it's it's annoying because Honestly, I have nothing against this guy. It's not like Jose. Like you know, my beef with Jose because I knew that I knew that was a sinking ship from from the jump. Like that never should have happened. Not at the expense of Pochettino. So I had resentment issues there. 
I hate, I couldn't stand the fact that we sacked the best manager that we've had in my lifetime in the Premier League um, for a dinosaur who was on his last legs. I don't care what he's doing in Italy in that slow-ass league. I don't care. But Nuno, on the other hand, nice guy. He came up with Wolves. Of course, he's had the funding and he did well at Wolves. I think he built up, I think he's got good pedigree in the Premier League. But this is where, this is where the incompetence is actually reaching dangerous levels at this club. Um, um, uh, amongst all the stuff that they've had to put us through, you then come out in the summer saying that you lost your way with the hiring of Jose. You want to get back to the club's core values, etc., hmm. etc. You then bring in a director of football who is more associated with a conservative style of play, and then give him full autonomy to to choose the managerial appointments. So I, I don't get what this club wants. They say one thing and they do another thing. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue when it comes to appointments, when it comes to player strategy, when it comes to player attrition. They are terrible. I really feel for Toby, man, because I've been there, bro. I've been there the last three or four years. I've been there. No, you're disillusioned with your club. The football's rubbish. Best players want to leave or are leaving. I, 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 I can only offer the, the solace that, because my club, let's, let's have it right, I'm not out of the mud. Do you know no. what I mean? My club, like, it's, it's, it's three good wins. We've got all our players in. It's, it's We've beaten Spurs in the North London derby. Man, are buzzing. But it doesn't take much for Arsenal to kind of go back into the Arsenal crisis and where are Arsenal going? So I can empathise with, with Toby 100%. And this whole nonsense about North London being red, I hear Arsenal fans saying, is nonsense to me. Because it's just like, North London's always been red. I'm not even shooting. But no, it's always been red. If that, that isn't the standard, do you know what I mean? It's always been red. It's a bit like saying my shit is brown than your shit. It's like it's a dumb conversation to have. You know what I mean? It's like who cares what colour North London? We know it's it's red. But boy, it's just stick in there, bro. Things, 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 things can happen. Things can happen. Yeah. Even when Arsenal asked him about the rebuild, but um, he's made the point about Paratici. He's like, well, if you can't trust. They can't just leave you. The thing is, Paratici, I think he was initially active in the window. I think getting Romero in, like some of the players that we've got in, Gil looks good, Romero looks good, um, Saar, I watched him for against PSG the other day for Mets. He looks really talented. I can see what direction they're going in, but I don't trust this club's long-term plan. I don't trust that you want to get back to playing attacking football. I don't trust that you have the fans' best interests at heart because it doesn't show in their decisions. It just doesn't. And I'm seeing, sorry, I'm looking at the comments now. Big Ron saying, he's talking about why is everyone's solution sacked the manager? The first thing I said when I came into this, I was lambasting the players. I didn't even mention Nuno until 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 I was asked by Nuno. So... I also think that comment is... With all due respect, that comment isn't particularly looking at the two situations at Tottenham Bay United. Bay United have a team that really should be challenging. No if no buts, no babies. Tottenham have a team uh, stuck in two or three different directions and they have clarity. And the, the clarity is supposed to come from the top and filter down. So in those cases, the manager is the problem. We're not talking about say if Aston Villa had a decent result and run a bad results. We still know Dean Smith is the right person. Aston Villa, same with Graham Potter, uh, 
Brighton, Liverpool, Liverpool, Pepper, Manchester City, etc., etc. But these two specifically different. Yeah, no, and that's fair enough. That's 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 fair, and and, and I agree. I just think when when I, I always say this when when shit has been as turgid, stinky, rotten as it has been at Spurs the past two three years, it can't just be one person. It can't just be the manager. It can't just be one player. It is the host of things. It's always, it always is a host of things. Yeah, people want to put a figurehead, um, and in reality, there's so many things that's wrong with this team. I can, of course, our ownership is the biggest issue. It's the biggest issue because they are the ones that continually see where we're heading and don't want to do anything about it and keep employing. Um, employing people who aren't qualified to do jobs we need them to do. But that doesn't excuse the horrible performance that we saw from some of those players yesterday. And that doesn't excuse the horrible tactics that we saw deployed by our manager yesterday. Like the whole thing stinks. It, it reeks. And this is up against an Arsenal side that that aren't even, aren't even levels like that. They're not levels like that. And, and no disrespect, but and I'm not saying this to say that Spurs are levels. Spurs are shit. Spurs are rubbish, but Arsenal. No, you, you made, when I you say made, they're not. You made a good Yeah, when you I say when really, I say really good. Yeah, they they were they were a ten out of ten, but we made them look like prime Barcelona, bro. We made them look like prime <laughs> Barcelona because the fact of the matter is, when you play Spurs, it's not difficult to beat us. I don't even know why Man City can't do it. I don't know why we always we have this weird thing over Man City where they we've beaten them like four times in a row at. At our new stadium, and I don't really get how we're doing it, but it's it's a it's a it's an outlier and an otherwise terrible sea of, of shit. It's rubbish. It's I mean, speaking rubbish. of speaking of Manchester City, they did get. I mean, we have to move on. Arsenal won. Well done, <laughs> um, Manchester City won. Chelsea nil. Goal from Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Kojo, we'll go to you. Um, is this? Manchester City wants it up now in the race for the title? Yeah. You know I feel like the Chelsea approach to the game was just very wrong. I, not that they, if they change their approach, the result would have changed. City are a very strong side. So it was a lot of people were actually writing them off from the beginning. You know, Chelsea home win, Chelsea home win, because obviously they've been in form, they beat Spurs, they beat Arsenal, Lukaku's been playing well so far, but. It's very silly to write off City in any game situation. And it's not like they've gone there before and not beaten them. They've beaten them before in the past. The Bruyne's got a fantastic goal at Stamford Bridge in the past. Um, I think the first half approach was just very wrong from Chelsea's side. I usually call them structured. I thought this was just very defensive. Um, I feel like the approach in midfield was wrong. Went for Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic. I think there's a lack of balance in that midfield compared to having the two up front, which was Werner and Kaku. So I think having those three behind those two didn't work, but I think where they really got hit was when they lost Reese James. When they lost Reese James, they lost quite a lot on that right side. Marcos Alonso was just, he's very, well, if he's not scoring free kicks, he went back to being Marcos, Marcos Alonso. So that's where City took advantage. We had the better first half, they scored the goal. Chelsea tried to change things, they brought Kai Havertz uh, for Kante, he struggled a little bit. But I think all in all, if you look at the overall running of the game, what City did so well was they didn't allow Chelsea to control the game in a defensive aspect and counter attack them. They just controlled the game, and every time they lost the ball, they're going back quickly and just ran the game. 
Um, so, look, it's still very early in the season, but this is a good marker for them because a lot of people are afraid of Chelsea. The fact that they've gone there and made a statement like that to come with a one more victory means that they've kind of got a bit of... I won't call it momentum. It's still very early, but it builds momentum. It's the start of the building momentum. You've got Stamford Bridge, a team where everyone's kind of fearing them and to go with three points and look very good doing so. It's a good marker. It's a good start. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kudos to them. And good for Gabriel Jesus as well because you create your own luck and for him to take that shot was a smart goal. It was a quick thing to do. You get your goal. I think they deserve to win. Played well. Played well. I think, I think what I loved and because I, I can't stand, I hate Chelsea just as much as I hate Arsenal. So anytime I see both teams lose, it brings a smile to my face. Um, and the, the, the air of arrogance that these Chelsea fans had after they slapped us last week, going into this, they had obviously beaten Man City, I think like three, three or four times in a row. So of course, you know they're cocky. Um, and I'm so happy that City beat them in the manner that they beat them. My only gripe is that they didn't have my only gripe is one they didn't have their finishing boots and two Mendy was in inspired form so they mm-hmm. could rub salt into the wounds and batter them at their ground. Um, I agree with you that they didn't let Chelsea control the game in the defensive aspect, and what I mean by that is they didn't let Chelsea reorganize um, whenever they lost the ball well enough. They didn't let Chelsea. They didn't let Chelsea breathe when the defenders had the ball. I felt that off the ball, Man City were excellent. Their pressing was top-notch. Um, I felt like Chelsea made it easier for Man City with their poor midfield performance and Tuchel's negative tactics. But I just felt Man City were were, were classed. I felt if the forward line didn't, didn't get the defenders with the press, then the midfielders were going to get Chelsea's midfielders with the press. I lost count of the amount of times Kante either gave away the ball or got the ball taken off him. Same for Jorginho, same for Kovacic. They were pressed to death. Um, the, the wing-backs weren't allowed the freedom that they normally have to bomb forward. Alonso, complete myth in this game. Um, Aspilicueta, complete myth in this game. And I know that was initially by design for Thomas Tuchel because I think he wanted Chelsea to play deep and try and hit City on the break. But... You just gave Man City too much impetus in possession. I, I think, I think low key he got ahead of himself and thought, you know what? I've shut these guys out three times in the truck now. I can do it another time. And I'm like, the most dangerous thing you can do at times is give Man City all that ball and think they're just gonna do nothing with it. And I and I love, I love the fact that they were they were torched. Um, Man City dominated the game from start to finish, and even when Chelsea tried to come out, they were still getting panned. They were still getting panned. I will say one quick thing on Chelsea City. Um, I've never seen Jack Greenish play so well for City. I think mean, that's his best performance in the show. Thought, really? Yeah. In the Premier League, in the Premier League, not kind of Europe, but in the Premier League, I thought it was really good for us. A handful. Could have got a couple himself. Um, Mendy pulled out a really good save. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a constant forward in their side. Um, I also like Jack Greenish a lot. But I will say this, the reason why, if I'm Chelsea, I'm not too worried. They've played City, they've played Liverpool, they've played Arsenal, they've played Spurs. They are still comfortably in the top four. And I would, I couldn't say the same for, for example, United, if they had that run. Um, so I think they're, they're still in a really good position to do really, really well. 
Um, I will agree with everybody that Tuka was really, really negative. I feel like the Mason Mount injuries made them change slightly tactically, going a little bit more conservative. I don't think they needed to do that with Havertz on the bench. Um, I will say this, though. I, I don't know what Marcos Alonso has done in training to to basically move Chilwell from that space because I've never really rated Alonso. Um, I think he's got great left foot, but like, in terms of positioning, in terms of having the dynamism that you you need as a wingback, I don't really ha- think he has that. Um, I think when you're playing against somebody like Gabby Jesus, who is so industrious and who has been playing a little bit more out wide and as well as um, sort of false nine because they rotate positions so much, I think you need to have that dynamism. And I don't think there was a number of Chelsea uh, of the back five that didn't have that dynamism. Um, and it came to roost in the end. Uh, in other uh, games, Brentford got a point off of Liverpool, three goals to three uh, goals from Pinnock, Diego Jota, Mohamed Salah, Jan Kurtz Jones, and Wissa. I'll go back to you, Darren. You do you 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 do like the underdog. So Brentford, they they've come up. They obviously they beat Arsenal. They've now got a point off the. Uh, previous Premier League winners and Champions League winners in, in Liverpool. Um, and they seem to be doing it the right way. Is that a positive for the Premier League as a, as a total package? Yeah, I mean, like, that's why people watch it, isn't it? Um, it's not like other leagues um, in the continent where the, our teams are so much better than others in the sense that you can have the results more. But uh, I feel like Brentford really did have a, a tactical plan. Um, so I was looking at um, Trent's aerial numbers. They're like really bad. Mm-hmm. He's like won like 20% of his headers over last season. And Brentford went more direct than I've... Than I, than I, well, I think they've done that really more in the league. So far, you saw this with Arsenal's game. They're quite direct. So I think it was the same with um, Liverpool. Um, they had a lot of um, really good sort of quality chances in terms of being able to convert them. Um, I think they, I think they're going to have enough. I, I, I rate towards Frank as a manager. And I also I think that the thing with Brentford is that they're quite tactically flexible. So they've only really been playing these um, the 3-5-2 for about 12-ish months, but they can go 4-3-3 and they can sort of different horses for courses, which isn't as dogmatic as say like, Fox, Norwich, who you kind of know exactly how they're going to play. Whether they have a single or double pivot, you know exactly how they're going to play. Whereas uh, Brentford have got a little bit more to them. Um, I just, yeah, I, it's all superlatives. They're a very brave team. Uh, it's good to, um, to see them do so well, really. Liverpool coach, this, this, do they have to worry about this defeat? Brentford, I mean, I'm not saying as an Arsenal fan, it's kind of, uh, kind of moot, but... They went to they went to Brentford and they couldn't secure the victory. Is it something for them to worry about? And they conceded quite a few goals, considering that they have Van Dijk back, they have Matip there, they have their full defence. Um, well, as Darren pointed out, Brentford found their weakness at the back because Trent was bullied for, especially in that second half. They targeted him from the start of the second half to finish every area ball you saw struggling. And the worst thing about it was that he was getting no help. So you know, when you see your defender defender struggling, we're going to do to try and support him in that situation but in terms of worrying 
I don't think they'll worry too much. Again, it's still very early in the season, but that's not the kind of result that you want because obviously we do know if you give, and they've done it before in the past as well, so they know about that, but if you give sort of like a city, their chances just run away, away from you being the next big challenger, then it becomes a problem. Um, but look, it's, um, these kind of games will happen for every team. That's what I'm going to say. It's not going to be just a Liverpool thing. It's going to happen for every team where they'll come against an opponent that sets up so well tactically that even if when you score a couple of goals, they'll find an answer to your goals as well. It's going to happen. Brentford are a good side. Um, very creative. Uh, what Darren said is true. Second time they've done that this season, I guess um, Arsenal as well, because they're not, very, uh, not always a team that plays direct football. But I guess Arsenal, they targeted Ben White because Ben White's not the best in the year. And Tony had so much fun with him. So, you know, that's that's just part of what Thomas Frank is doing. And it's good. You know me, I've always been screaming about where's your plan B? He's someone that's got a plan A and a plan B. He's always ready for different opposition. And it's not a case of doing it to stop them. It's doing it to make sure that we can also maximise our strengths because we've got players that can do different things. So, look, I think it's, um, it was a very well-earned point for them. But I wouldn't worry if I'm Liverpool just yet. If these results keep happening, then it's a stuff to worry. But it's one game against a side that would have been up for it at their home ground that wants to try and get as many points as they can to stay up. Brentford are a good side. So, yeah. It's, it's the good. first ever time in the Premier League. Exactly. And this if Liverpool at home is, the cup, is a cup final. Mm. This is and if you look at their history in the last maybe three, four years of the Championship, they've been on the cusp of getting there. So now that they're there, there is no way that they're going to just fall over for anybody. They're going to come with him. So, yeah, they deserve what they got, man. It was a great, was a great point. And the guys kind of hinted, hinted about it, so it was about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Why are they not focusing on building up Trent's defensive game as much as just allowing him to, to be what he is going forward? Um, good question. I don't actually have an answer to that. I think I think Trent is improving defensively, though. Um, I, if I look at his form in 2020, 2021... For the most part, I think you have seen improvement in Trent defensively. I think he has put in a shift. We saw it towards the tail end of last season. And he's had a good start to this season as well. I think I think he is improving defensively. Um, I just think some players like Trent is never gonna be this 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 Blanco unit that can that can win aerial duels and, and, and go man for man and, and bully players off the ball. I think Trent has to sort of work out how he can defend. And I think he's doing it in, in, in spurts. I think he needs to work out how he can defend his way. Um, I think with Liverpool, they focus on how they can play as a team. And I, I get individual improvement is good for, for, for Trent uh, when it comes to defending. But more, the most important thing for him is how does he fit into their style of play? And what he does for their style of play is is enormous and i mm. think i think that is what takes more of a priority than some of the other factors of his game that that we feel as opposition fans needs to improve i think we shall wrap it up there we thank you guys for watching listening however you consume our content we are very grateful make sure to uh, smash the like button and hit subscribe to our channel so you can get as much free Mickle content as you possibly can. Tobes, where can they find you? Tapping Tobes on all socials. Um, thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm sorry I couldn't be a, a, my usual positive self. Um, Spurs just beat out of me, but thank you for having me. Um, yeah, find me on Tapping Tobes on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, 
yeah, just hit me up there. Told you I mentioned where they can find uh, Jordan before you get into us. Um, yeah, so Jordan's Twitter is uh, underscore Jordan J. Bryan. Um, he's also got the Black Academic on YouTube um, and blackademic.com is his website. Uh, Football Fans Podcast, I don't know if it's still continuing, but if you want to check some great content, it's there on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the other audio sites as well. So that's um, that's Jordan. And of course, sorry, on TalkSport also. He plugged us up <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the show earlier. So yeah, he's he's his number and everything. Number smooth, <laughs> very smooth. So 5pm this Saturday, um, call-ins. So if you want to have a call-in and talk about your team, feel free to give him calls. Free number as well. So there you go. And us? And us, of course. Uh, free me for podcast. Over here on YouTube and Freemifield on Twitter, all the other socials, including Instagram and TikTok. Um, and Freemifield on all the audio sites, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Is there anywhere else again? I think that's about it, right? That yeah. is about it. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Welcome and Welcome back, Darren. Bloody welcome hell. back, Darren. That was the mess. Yeah, definitely. Welcome back, Darren. Welcome and thank back. you for listening. Good night. Good night, indeed. <laughs> Thank you.